Uh, if you were asked this question, don't shout it out, but think about the question and your answer. The question is, how would you describe God? If you were asked that by some of your friends, maybe some co-workers, maybe a family member, maybe just some stranger that just, like Shields said, knew you at the Crossroads Church, Baptist Church this morning. And they come up to you and said, how would you describe God? How would you begin to answer? I mean, would you begin to answer by what you may have heard or read before of his physical characteristics, like what's written in Revelation chapter 1, where it says the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze. His voice like a roar of many waters. It's written in Revelation is also written similarly in Daniel. It says in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, his clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head was pure wool. So those are times we find in scriptures where it tells us perhaps a physical description of God. And maybe if you knew the scriptures and was thinking about as the question was asked to you, how would you describe God? You might ask in, or answer in one of those ways of what you know about his physical characteristics. But personally, I don't know that many people that actually answer the question. If they're asked, how do you describe God? I don't know that many people that actually describe God in that way. I think it's more common, perhaps, if we're asked how to describe God by maybe stating his attributes, the fact that he is all-knowing or he is all-powerful and always present. Maybe you know these terms and you begin to think about that when someone asks you to describe God and maybe talk about these attributes. Or maybe it's that the attributes you begin to think about, but his qualities, like how he is loving and merciful and compassionate and slow to anger and how he's good to us and how he's faithful. I mean, the fact is, describing God probably is more common to be able to use an attribute or a quality in a way that we would think about God and probably describe him to somebody else. I was thinking about that last week then, and I remembered that I had read once the book called The Shack. It was later made into a movie. And rather interestingly, in that book, if you read the book written by William P. Young, or maybe even seen the movie which came out later, God is portrayed, described as a maternal black woman. Which for a lot of people, it was amazing to think that someone would portray God in such a way, in such a manner, in fact, once the book was published, it drew a little bit of attention as it portrayed God that way, but it was nothing like the attention that was given to the, to the author and the director once they made the movie. Once they made the movie, a lot of people saw how God was portrayed as this black woman, and they went crazy. They, they actually made a statement. Some evangelicals and some scholars said the book was completely blasphemous. To describe God in such a way. But the fact is, we've never one of us has seen God. And that's how the author then perhaps envisioned God to be. And regardless of what you may think about that book, The Shack, or the movie, it, it ultimately made a person rethink about how they view God. So again, the question for this morning as we begin to entertain this is how would you describe God? And the text today from the 136th Psalm that we turn to read a portion of arguably may be 
addresses or describes God in the best, most accurate way as forever faithful. God is forever faithful. Let us stand and read the text today in the 136th Psalm. Stand with me if you're able to. As we read not all the psalm, but a portion of it, and we'll follow again by some explanation and a little application as we read this particular psalm. We're going to read in Psalms 136 the first nine verses, and then we're going to leap to the end of it, like in verses 23 through 26. So Psalms 136, verse 1. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 2. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him, to him who by understanding made the heavens. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights. For steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. For steadfast love endures forever. Verse 23. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state. For steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes. For steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. And finally, verse 26, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Father, Lord, we come before you this morning into your presence after reading your word, Lord, is asking that you anoint this time and lead and direct us, Lord. Let's open our hearts, our ears to hear the word you've chosen for us to hear today. Lord, let's leave here today having a full appreciation of your faithfulness. Lord, lead and guide and direct us again to receive this message. And then how we can receive this message begin to apply directly to our lives in the day that we're living. Let's be thankful for what you shall show us today. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While those verses we read in the 136th Psalm, again, not all the Psalm did we read, but a big portion of we read. And throughout all that we read, you probably did not see the words, as the title suggests today, of forever faithful. But it becomes rather obvious that God is faithful forever with a repetitive phrase at the end of each verse. In case somehow, some way you did not see it or hear it. What is the phrase? Here it is once more. His steadfast love endures forever. 26 times. There's 26 verses in the 136th Psalm, and each and every one of the 26 verses has that at the end of each verse, pointing to the fact that God is forever faithful. Therefore, the title of the message is appropriate, forever faithful. God is forever faithful. Or if you prefer a different wording, we could use what's written in the word biblical commentary I found this past week, written by Leslie Allen, which simply labels the 136th Psalm as ever faithful, ever sure. But that is God. That is our God. 
ever faithful, ever sure, forever faithful. He is so faithful. And people have captured this over the years so much so that the 136th Psalm has been highlighted by song. Chris Tomlin actually made a song simply called Forever. Now, listen, I'm not going to sing to you the lyrics. And it's probably good that I'm not because you might want to leave if I did. But you can see them behind me and notice the words that's repeated over and over again, similar to what's in the 136th Psalm, that his love endures forever. Now, without me breaking out in the song, hopefully you can hear or see or discern the lyrics emphasizing God's love and forever faithfulness. So let's pause for a moment then and reflect upon God's faithfulness. And just ask now the question this, what or who is more faithful than God? What or who is more faithful than God? And as I was thinking about this, the very first per- the very first thing that came to my mind of what or who is more faithful than dog than, than God is a dog. I almost got ahead of myself there, didn't I? Who or what is more faithful than God? The first thing I thought of was a dog. And if you're a dog lover, you think, oh, my dog is pretty faithful to me. But more faithful than God? No, it can't be that a dog is more faithful to you than God is, because nothing is more faithful than God. By the way, as we're on the subject of dogs, I think that people who are dog lovers, and I'm looking through the room, I see many people who are dog lovers. There's a lot of in this room. I think your dogs have you trained more than that dog is faithful to you. They've got you trained. I see this every day on the bus route. I go through a subdivision, and I see a police officer every morning out in the bitter cold. It's been cold lately. Every morning out in the bitter cold, he takes his dog out of the house. He's standing out there freezing. The dog is running around acting crazy while he's taking care of his business, okay? And he's out there, so I'm thinking, that dog's got you trained, buddy. More than actually maybe they are faithful to you. But anyway, the question again is what or who is more faithful than, than God? In Yellowstone National Forest, you may know as the guys are named Old Faithful. Named as such because of its highly predictable geothermal feature that causes it to erupt every 44 minutes. That's pretty often. But that's nothing compared to God's faithfulness. Because God is not just faithful every 44 minutes. He is faithful 24-7 all the time. On the property which I deer hunt, I had a stand I named Old Faithful. It was named Old Faithful because each and every year, that stand would allow our family to shoot a deer. I don't shoot big deer. I shoot deer because I like to eat venison. I like to eat deer meat. And every year, that particular stand, if anything else failed, we go to Old, Old Faithful and we get ourselves a little deer. But while that deer stand was highly reliable to be called Old Faithful, it was nothing compared to the faithfulness of God. So who or what is more faithful than God? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing in life is as faithful as God. Nothing is as faithful as God. Now, to make that point known, here's another question. 
Have you ever wondered why God is so faithful to us as humans? Because we sin and we fail him constantly. But yet he's faithful. I mean, it's, we should just recognize that we're not near as faithful to him as he is to us. So the question then really becomes now, why is God so forever faithful to us? And that's a question we should ponder. Because when it comes to loyalty and commitment and faithfulness, those words in modern day have a lot of emptiness and they're quite shallow. In fact, you hardly see faithfulness and loyalty and commitment anymore in every facet of life. For example, sports. The Super Bowl is going to be in a couple of weeks. I'm not sure yet who's going to be there. That'll be determined today by the playoff games. But it seems that whoever makes it to the playoffs, once they make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, it's so often that the players don't stay with the team. Someone will seek them out, maybe for more money, they'll leave the team rather than staying together to repeat another season in which they could win the Super Bowl. And it's not just football, it happens in every kind of sport these days. But it's not just sports that happens where we have the lack of loyalty and commitment and faithfulness. It also happens in the workplace. How employees will sometimes jump ship to another company or to go somewhere else when they begin to be entertained by someone, normally a headhunter, who will call them and entice them, normally again for money, to go somewhere else where they think the grass is greener. It's rare that you find someone who will stay very long at all at a workplace anymore. My aunt, who happens to be the cafeteria manager at North Gibson, is a rare breed in the fact that she's been there for 43 years in the same school district, in the same position, all that length of time. But that's relatively unheard of these days. And it's not just sports. It's not just work. It's also like in marriage. To have a marriage the last five years now is a long time. Whereas where it used to be, marriage is much longer than five years. I mean, it just seems like divorce is way too common. I did a funeral for a couple in Texas where the man and woman have been together for 73 years. That's a lifetime. But it just seems like it rarely happens anymore. I mean, all that illustrates how faithfulness and loyalty and commitment just seem to be things of the past. So when we, when we think about how modern day has to have the lack of loyalty and faithfulness and commitment, it's amazing then to reflect upon the fact that God is forever faithful. As the psalmist states here in the 136th Psalm, his steadfast love endures forever, revealing his rock-solid faithfulness that he has for us despite our faults and our flaws, our imperfections despite our fact that we sin. God is faithful forever, despite the fact that we sin against him. Now, if you go back to 136 Psalm, it's interesting as you go back to that Psalm that the author is not given. You go back to the first five verses and begin to read, and rather than rereading them, a lot of times you find that it tells us who the author may be upon some particular psalm. But in this case, the author is not disclosed. 
However, John Phillips, in his commentary on the Psalms, suggests the author is Hezekiah. He states, probably Psalms 135 and 136 were written by Hezekiah in the joy and overflow of his soul after his double deliverance, first from sickness, then from siege. Now, while the text does not tell us who the author may be, if Phillips is correct, and Hezekiah would have certainly been very grateful and very thankful, and maybe through song like this, in pertaining to God's faithfulness that he received. By the way, the sickness and siege mentioned by Phillips is an account written in 2 Kings chapter 20. It says in chapter 20, verse 1 of 2 Kings, that Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. Isaiah the prophet went to him and told him, as you see later in verse 1, to set your house in order. But in verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall when he received this news and began to pray to God, saying, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness with a whole heart. As he began to pray, in verse 4, it tells us Isaiah had gone out in the middle of the court, but the Lord, or the Lord, the Lord came back to him and told him to turn back and say to Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. I will heal you. And in verse 6, you find then that the Lord added 15 years to his life and will deliver him from the city of the hand of the king of Assyria. So yeah, he was spared of the sickness and also spared of the onslaught of the enemy of the Assyrians. So Hezekiah's life was spared and God removed the threat. An account demonstrating God's faithfulness to his servant. It's many different accounts we can find in Scripture demonstrating God's faithfulness. He has to his service. But perhaps you hear that and you say, well, wait a minute. That God is forever faithful. I'm hearing that. But if God is forever faithful, then why have not all my prayers been answered like Hezekiah? That's a great question to be asked. Or maybe reworded some, some, somehow, some way, and you're still pondering this thought, and you say, the question really for me then, if God is always, I'm hearing you say he's always continually forever faithful. If he is, then why does life feel unfair? And that's another great question. And the short answer reflects back to the message you had last week pertaining to God's will. I mean, honestly, I don't know and I can't explain. I can't tell you, other than it being God's will, that we must accept why Hezekiah got 15 more years. And other people that pray similarly did not get 15 more years or whatever. I can't tell you why other than God's will, which we talked about last week. But I also know that whatever God's will, that through it all, God remains faithful. It is his nature. It is his character. God never breaks a promise. Always faithful to deliver as he is for many different people. Again, nothing in life is as faithful as God. Nothing in life is as faithful as God. But let us return to the question, because maybe we haven't sufficiently answered. Again, the question is, if God is always continually forever faithful, then why does life, at times at least, feel unfair? Well, with that question, let us answer. And let's reveal five things 
five ways in which God will remain faithful even when life doesn't seem fair. And the first is this, that God is faithful in providing for you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When you begin to feel in life that it just isn't fair, we need to be reminded that God is our provider and that your, your needs are being met. I mean, yeah, you may not get everything that you want, but God is giving everything that you need. That's hard for us to accept at times. Trusting God to provide your needs when you don't see a way develops stronger dependence on God and also helps us grow spiritually. But there's going to be seasons in life we're going to ask ourselves, well, how am I going to make it? How will I survive this? Right now, in our church family, we have people who are stretched financially, emotionally, and spiritually. And we need a message such as this remind us that God will take care of you because he always takes care of his children. He always provides for us in some way. And a lot of times there's some ways we don't even expect it. But it comes through where he provides for us. Back in 2009, Sheila and I were living in Texas. It's about the time that I was lost my job as a plant manager for a chicken plant in Texas. And throughout the, it happened in February 2009, and throughout the next several months, things were different for us. I mean, we lost the income that we had from being a plant manager, and things began to radically change. We were still living in the same house since the end of the year. We got to the point where we had to pay our property taxes. But we didn't have the means, the finances to pay our property taxes. So we began to worry and fret about how we're going to pay our taxes. But it was to no worry that we should have had. Because ultimately, the church that we joined had someone to anonymously donate all the money we needed to pay all of our property taxes. And we never anticipated that at all. It just goes to show how God will provide a way when we're stretched thin financially, spiritually, physically, whatever, God will provide a way. When life begins to feel unfair, remember that God is faithful and he will provide for you. But also when life begins to feel unfair, God is still faithful. He's faithful then to uplift you and to encourage you. Philippians 1.6 he says, and I'm sure of this, Paul writes, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Every one of us are going to face days in which there's stress. There's difficulty. There's going to be an overwhelming sensation in our lives for something that's happened. We're going to feel heavily burdened. It just happens to every facet of life that we're living. But through that, God will still uplift us and encourage us. When you feel like giving up, you need that extra boost. You need someone to come along you and remind you what God's Word tells you. How in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or it may tell you in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, it says, I will never leave you nor abandon you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We need those reminders of how it tells us in Scripture that God is with us to uplift us and to encourage us. Maybe even we're searching for purpose in life. We can think of Jeremiah 29, 11. 
that affirms that God has plans to prosper us, not to harm us. All those types of scriptures and many more in God's word tells us how God deeply cares for us. The scripture is there. It's God's word to encourage us and to be a source of strength when we need it. To uplift us and to encourage. God is faithful. Yes, he is. And even when life begins unfair, thirdly, we find that God is faithful in comforting you. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's still not been very long. We are still, as a church family, experiencing grief and mourning. I can only imagine what Nick is feeling each day. Jackson, Declan, Tucker. I can only imagine. Really, I can't even imagine. And we, the church family, are still having this time of mourning and grief. I mean, the recent events we've all experienced have been overwhelming because we've had that loss in our family. And in times in a loss and of mourning, it is natural then to become distant or even discouraged and even at times disenchanted with God. So while human emotions can consume you during those days, during those times and seasons of loss, God's faithfulness will carry you through. Because God's comfort can be your spirit to revive you. You can overcome with Christ as your focus. God's comfort can restore and revive your broken spirit. You know, when that begins to happen, God will, will comfort you beyond even human understanding. It, it could be that people who are watching you and, and seeing you become all of a sudden be comforted and strengthened through God and through people who are helping you are amazed at how you can do it. But the fact is that somehow, some way, God comforts us in that time when we need it and allows us to have the strength to move forward. It really is from God and His faithfulness. So when life begins unfair, realize, remember, that God is there to comfort you. But also when life begins to feel unfair, God is still faithful in strengthening you. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We all know, no matter what age we are, that at times life has a way of just weighing you down and knocking the wind out of your sail. It just happens. It's not a matter of if, it's going to be when. And when it happens, it happens at times when you lose someone special. Or it happens when you're having that financial struggle or that job loss, and, and any other time like that. When those things begin to happen, deplete you with the strength that you need and just left feeling weak and helpless. And that is the time we must recognize that God's power is made strong in your weakness, which is what Paul is writing about in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I personally prefer Isaiah 41, 10. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with our righteous right hand. Ultimately, God will strengthen you for the journey ahead. When you are weary, 
God will provide the rest that you need. But we must first acknowledge that you need to depend on God through it all. It's, but you acknowledge that you need it, that you need him, that you need him near you. During the moment of weakness, just recognize that you need God to strengthen you. It's not in our society normal for us to admit that we need help or that we are weak. In our society today, we learn early as children at times from our parents to be tough, to be strong. I mean, you've heard maybe perhaps in your life, you just pull up your bootstraps and get on with life. That's what we're taught. But at times, it's okay to show the fact that you need help, that you're weak. The scriptures remind us that when we are weak, for he is strong and he is faithful. And then finally, fifthly, we find that God is faithful in sending the community of support. When we begin to think that life is unfair, God is faithful in sending a community of support to help us. It's Hebrews 10.25. It says, let us not neglect to meet together, as in the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more you see the day approaching. When you feel like no one understands and that you're all alone, God will provide a community of support for you. It might be a special friend. It might be a coworker. It might even be a neighbor. At times, it might even be a stranger to give you some comforting words. It could be your pastor. It could be your church family. But the fact is that God uses and speaks through different groups of people to encourage and to uplift and remind you that you are not alone. You're not facing this battle all by yourself. That you have help. That you have a group of people supporting you. You have a community that wants to help you. God just introduces that to us in life when we need that help. After my dad died in 2003, Sheila and I moved our family to Texas in 2004, early part of 2004. And as we got there, we joined the great church family that focused upon small group studies. It was a larger church and it had a lot of different small groups. And I must confess that I benefited greatly from being in one of those small groups. It happened to be where it was a workplace small group where a lot of us that was going to the same church would take a lunch together one day of the week and we would meet at one of the restaurants and have some lunch, but we would have our time of study during that time of lunch. And during that small group focus, it allowed me then to grow because there were people who had similar experiences of a similar age with similar challenges. It became for me a community of support that I really needed after my father died. So being in the community taught me the importance of being transparent and vulnerable and how it helped me be healed. But we also must remember that when it happens that God is our ultimate source. It means great to have that people surrounding you, but God is our ultimate source of support and wisdom. And we should seek God's word daily for wisdom and direction. If we've ever been to feel lost and confused and isolated and alone, we need to seek God's word to help us through it. I mean, support from people shouldn't be ever replacing the ultimate support we can have from God. I mean, it's good to have the community support, and we need it. But God is the one that ultimately can comfort us, who is faithful to us, and can strengthen us through it all. God is always faithful to us, despite whatever we do to him, 
He's still faithful to all of us. And we should be so forever grateful for the fact that he is. But God will, when we need it, send in that community of support to help us. But at the same time of receiving the community support, let's remember it's him that really provides the strength that we need. Family and friends and coworkers are great, but God provides the ultimate strength and comfort. So this morning, then we're talking about five ways in which when life begins to feel unfair, that God is still faithful through it all. And he's faithful in providing for you. He's faithful in uplifting and encouraging. He's faithful in comforting and strengthening and sending support when we need it. The bottom line is this, as I borrow the words of a commentary. God is faithful when we are not, and when life is not fair. When you want to throw in the towel or are feeling overwhelmed, be sure that God will provide, uplift, comfort, strengthen, and support you. Your immediate circumstances may not change, but be confident that God will provide you all that you need to persevere. Be grateful that God is faithful. We've been through so much already this year. I look around the room and I know people have had all kinds of different situations to happen. The loss of a loved one, financial struggles. It's all happened within our church family. So we need a message just last week to talk us about how God's will must be done. And we need a follow-up message this week to remind us that God is faithful through it all. God is forever faithful. He is always there for us. And we need a message reminding us through everything that begins to happen in life. There's a lot that can happen. And through everything that happens, God is still there and he is forever faithful. And as the commentary just told us, let's be forever grateful that God is forever faithful. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we're still.